building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. Just before we get into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to our weekly devotional group. Just text the two words, Promise Keepers, to 31996. Every week you'll receive a challenging devotional that will inspire you to put your faith into action in the real world. Again, text Promise Keepers to 31996. And now, here's today's show. So Phil Robertson, we were uh, we were just talking on the show with Al, but now we want to talk about your stories, real specifically, and about how God's blessed you. And um, I wanted to talk about Phyllis. So you were you were hiding in the woods doing your sin thing before you came to Christ. Yep. And committed sin. And as we promised about the, by the Lord, when a man really humbles himself and walks with the Lord, he he blesses his life. He even turns the bad things into good. And so. 44 years later, this amazing blessing walks into your life. Tell us about that. Well, uh, it came out of my checkered past. 45 years later, uh, I didn't know I had a daughter that came out of my sinful life. You know, when sex produces offspring, well, this particular girl came out of that lifestyle back there. But, but her mother didn't tell her. I wouldn't know her mother if you put her on a police lineup. So it's been 45 years ago. This went down, unbeknown to me. Well, the daughter didn't know that I was her real father. Me, the dad, didn't know I was her real dad. So 45 years goes by, her mother never tells her. So I, I didn't even know she existed. So she gets on, uh, she she looks at her background, her family. She's saying something. She got this thing in her heart. She said, something is not right here. I, I, I feel like I don't even belong here. So she gets on there and starts checking out this DNA, this, uh, what do you call it? They, they, they look you look up your ancestry three me someone said ancestry.com whatever so she looks down there and up pops my kin folks she looks at Phil Robertson's kin folks well I don't know anything about this she goes to her mother and says my DNA is not matching the the the, the man I've been calling my father Oh, wow. According to this, that's not my father. My father has different kinfolks, the bloodline. And her mother finally says, okay, I guess you might as well know now that your real dad, he's the one that makes these whistles. Well, she was talking about these duck calls. So at the time, there were no whistles being made, but now that's what I'm known for. So she tells my daughter that I didn't know I had who her real dad is, me. Well, her my daughter comes to meet and with the brothers over here, picked out a Wednesday night. I'm the one doing the speaking. I'm speaking to the church that night. So she's able to sit in the audience and look up there and see her real dad hollering about Jesus. She comes along 45 years earlier, and she meets me for the first time. I'm up in the pulpit preaching the gospel. She leaves us, and she gave one to Jason, because between the bodyguards and me leaving the podium, she just thought, well, I don't want to jump in there in the middle of all that. So she gives the her information to Jason, he throws it in his truck, you know, because he thought she was just a fan. So he just throws the thing oh, over. Oh, really? For weeks went by. Jace didn't look at it. He said, oh, some fan gave me. We get letters all the time, people handing us stuff, you know. We're like, eh, eh. So anyway, two or three weeks later, Jace looks at it and said, whoa, hmm, there may be something to this because the girl is claiming I am her father. 
So Jay's gifted to Al. Al and him say, Dad, here's what some woman is saying. Got to remember that's happened to me. They've told me stuff like that quite a few times. It didn't turn out to be anything. But this one, they told me about it. I said, hmm. I said, well, what you know, what do you want me to do about it? And he said, well, if you got your DNA and she gets her DNA, you see if it's a match. So you give your blood, and then she'll give her blood. She's already done it, but, you know. So they went through the deal about seeing if the DNA matched up. I get a phone call from Al. Al says, Dad, it's a match. I said, bring her on down. How long ago was this? That's been about uh, six, seven months ago, eight months ago. It just, it just happened. Just happened. So you just find out after having four sons with Miss K that you have a daughter. And when the first meeting, you know, they said, okay, time to meet your daughter. They got it all lined up. We gave the money to get her down here, to fly her down here. We said, all right, we'll pay for her to get here. So she rolls in. She's standing over there talking to Miss K. I'm standing over there. She hadn't seen me yet. At least she'd seen me the night I was preaching. But she turns around. So she sees me. She just runs up. And, and it's the old bear hug moment, you know. And I, I maybe I'd seen the girl. So I, did, I said, lean back here a minute. Stand away here. Let me look at you. So I was looking at her eyes and her nose, you know, and see if I could see any of me in there. And I said, yeah, you, you, you've got a resemblance. I think I may be your man. So basically, we we she cried, and uh, Miss Kay said, "I just knew somebody was coming out of your past as wild as you were." She said, "But I was hoping it'd be a boy, but I'm thrilled it's a girl." Why was she hoping for a boy? Doesn't she have enough of those? Hey, women, man! When God made women, He made strange creatures. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know for sure. But anyway, now we've moved, she's moved down. She lives right next to me. So they come down and, you know, we eat supper. We fixed up a little place for her to live there, you know. So she's got, I wanted to save her, you know, from a house. No, she's a nurse, so it's a good thing to, to know. She's a dialysis nurse. So uh, they're pretty rare. So... And she ended up being uh, a believer, uh, right? She, um, she oh, was, turned out to be a godly woman. She said, I, for some reason, she said, I, I just, I, I didn't go into any drugs and all. Ooh. So she turned out to be a godly woman, one of the sisters. And the way it all worked out, she's a, now she's a family member that I didn't know I had. Al so, says she's a full-on Robertson, too. She, she's yep. definitely got the whole family. Yep. So one of those drunken spree somewhere she was created i told her i said and her mother named her phyllis phyllis <laughs> so that was a little bit of a little bit of a play on words there so but but i mean she's lived right next to me now you know and she's just like a in other words if if somebody had said would you would you know what her mother looked like I would have not have any idea. I mean, think about it. It's been 45 years. So if she was like, whatever, 25. And you were drunk, probably. Oh, you look, oh, yeah. Everybody's drunk. It's like everything during that period of time was a blur. You'd wake up many a time saying, how in the world did I get here? Where, where am I here? Not even know how you got there. So it was one, one of those kind of deals. I did tell her, I said, you're the best thing that ever came out of my past. One of the things that occurred to me when she shows up is that we know that in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Even when your sinful behavior produces a child, well, it's not the child's fault. That's how she got on planet Earth. Mm through my sin. So he took that, the Almighty, and turned it out for good. And you know, a lot of people say, well, well I'm not going to claim somebody I thought I had. So I just looked at the evidence and said, she's mine. So we just embraced it. 
Were you nervous when you were going to meet her for the first time? Not at all. No, I wasn't that nervous. I just thought about it, and I said, I hated it for her that she went 45 years without knowing who her dad was. That, I mean, I didn't raise the girl. Mm-hmm. You know, and I noticed she tears up when she's talking about she didn't have the opportunity to be with me to be raised. She would have liked for me to raise her, she said. Sure. So that's one one of the things she missed. But you just pick up the pieces and start from wherever the starting point is. And I was with Al right after he found out. We were preaching together in uh, Shreveport. Mm-hmm. Went down there and had Cajun food. He's like, you want Cajun food? I'm like, man, I'm from Colorado. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to be in Louisiana, I want Cajun food. And he said, man, you wouldn't believe what I just found out. I've got a sister, man. He was just thrilled. You know, you, you think about it. Uh, the reality is you can't go back and undo what's already happened in the past. You can't undo it. It's a fact. Things go down. So when you look at it, I was surprised that so many people got a hold of me telling me the same story that happened to me. A lot of them. They said, man, you know, you know, a lot of them are the ones who are products. And they said, you know, I never did find out who my parents were. Mm-hmm. Other ones say, well, you know, I remember, you know, and, you know, I got pregnant with this girl. You know, a lot of them are boredom. So it's uh, sin, sin can ravage the landscape in a hurry, my man. But this, this is a story, as it turned out, turned out good. I mean, we weren't like, I tell you what, I ain't claiming her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So let's just look at the evidence and say, hey, we love you, kid. Come on. Let's go. That's awesome. So now it is awesome. It really is. You know, you said something key. You quoted Romans 8, 28. Yep. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yep. And lots of people quote the first half of that verse. That's right. Well, all things work together for good. Uh, That's for right. those who love God... God blesses the people who are repentant, who are close to him. Just like any father, when you are close to your children, when they're obeying you, when they have a relationship with you, when they talk to you, there's intimacy. When there's not, there's not. And I think about even what could have been such a horrible thing and has been a horrible thing in many situations for you was a blessing because you walk with the Lord. Remember Lot and his daughters got him drunk and, and had children from him, got him drunk, you know, and... And it formed two great nations. I mean, that, that, that was, a, that was a adultery and rape, I guess, at the same time. But the Bible just goes and through. Incest. The, it, yeah, yeah, an incest. Yeah, an incest. The triple, triple yeah. crown. And, then, and, and it, just, it just says what's happened. And then these two nations come up from that. That's all it says. It just keeps moving. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> things happen out there, you know. The Almighty looks down on them and. Hey, it works out for the good of those who love him. So you're exactly right. In this case, it was great. We ran up on her. She said, I'm so glad I got to know you before you kicked the bucket, you know. <laughs> I said, you cutting her thin. I'm about 74 now. <laughs> I mean, when this went down, I was like 26, 7, right about a year before I repented. You say, I just, then, then I've added all these years, never knowing until... Six or eight months ago, I'm like, pretty weird. You know, we were talking in the last episode that we did when I was here um, about why should someone continue walking with the Lord after they get saved? If he did it all on the cross, after all, then I can just sow my wild oats, right? And one of the things I say all the time when I'm preaching is the entire plan of salvation was given in John three sixteen. Yep. So what were all of Jesus' other words about? Well, they were all about yep. becoming holy. You look yep. at the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. He's not saying in order to be saved, you got to cut your eye out to stop lusting. He's saying if you want to be holy, if you yep. want to be sanctified, you're a man who knows God's word because I think from someone who's been saved from what you were saved from, you appreciate the gift of grace so much more than a lot of us. You, 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 Jesus went around, the Apostle Peter said, You've heard of him. He went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. 
That's what Jesus did. That's how he rolled. He went around doing good. When I'm, I get up in the morning, uh, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he'll give eternal life. For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. We're to be known, the people of God, for doing good. We're not doing good so that we can be saved. God has saved us by his mercy and his grace. That's how he saved us. Because we know we're saved, our sins are removed. We have God's spirit. We're going to be raised from the dead. We're going to live forever. Because of that, we go around doing good. And we point people to Jesus who heals them from the power of the evil one. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. You say, set me free from what? From Satan, from sin, from guilt, from having to be perfect, from the grave. You look at it logically and you say, that is game, set, match. And all we do is just go around doing good, point people to Jesus, because we know who we are. We know our sins have been forgiven. 24-7 surveillance with Jesus. When we make a mistake, we give them to him. He lifts us up, says, continue on. It is the greatest thing that can happen to a human being, bar none. If this is not true, the story of Jesus Christ, no one's getting out of here alive. Mm-hmm. Unless you got a story that will top this one. I talked to, uh, he said he was an agnostic and then a, he said, uh, actually, probably, I'm, I'm, I'm an atheist. And he was giving me a briefing before we went on the air. And I'm listening to him. I said, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we sat down and the interview started, I was just pointing him to Jesus, told him what God had done through Jesus for him and all the rest of us. I said, let me ask you something as a agnostic, do you have a better story than the one I just read out of the Bible? Do you have a better story? He said, I don't. He said, don't get me wrong. I hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I said, well, I just want to remind you, you need to come to the light before you get in the tunnel. Or that you won't want the light that you I, see. I, I said, by the time you get to the end of the tunnel and you see the light, that's too late. You need to move on it now. He was like, he said, we need to talk further. I said, I think so. We'll talk further. So we've had a few sessions with him since then. That's good to hear. Yeah. So you, so you, so you never know what's going on in their head. They're trying to be good without even a knowledge of God. They're, they're, they're saying you, they're basically saying now, the unbelievers in the, in the U.S., we can be good without God. We don't need that as a crutch. They say, we, we can do this without God. But they've proven to me that that's a lie. Well, lots of people have tried to be good without God. I mean, look at the Soviet Union. Hey, let's make sure everyone's equal and it's all just wonder, wonderful. How'd that work out? That's right. So they can't be good without God. So the bottom line is, I noticed too, I saw the little girls and they had a a stick in their hand with a sign on it. And the sign read, we're going to hell and we're proud. That's what the sign said. They're marching down the street. By the way, look, I've been on the earth 74 years. I never have and you will never see me with a stick with a sign on it walking down the road. 
I'm never going to do that, <laughs> ever. <laughs> You're more of a sandwich board kind of a guy. I think it's a waste of time. I mean, what's, 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 what's your point? You know, I think I'll write it on a piece of paper and walk down the road. I'm like, no. Well, you and I are both rock and roll fans. I remember ACDC with uh, I'm on the Highway to Hell and Bon Scott, who sang that song. Ended it's, up it's biblical. Dying of alcohol call poisoning about <laughs> yep. nine months later. Yep. He said what I, the lyric, I'm proud or I'm happy. Um, he got there a lot quicker than he was ready Life for. Life is short and a lot of trouble. And to date, I have not read any writings. I've read all these religions of the entire world. You say, when you got to this one, you look. You compared it with the other ones. I'm like, hey, let's point that out for a minute too. You know, you look at the Quran, for instance. The Quran was written 650 years yep. after the last book of the Bible was written. Yep. By it was written by one guy who was a pedophile who came up with one thing. People who are listening to us who are not believers, I want to make sure they understand. This book was written over the course of 2,000 years, yep. maybe longer, because we don't really know when Job was written. It could have been written tens of thousands of years. That's right. By 40 different authors, and it all agrees. And you think about the history of when it was written. Never does it say in the Bible that the earth is flat. Never That's does right. it say, you can go through that a massive book and you cannot disprove one iota of it with all the science we now have. Simple things like this. God called, this is Genesis 1, verse 4, 5, right at the front end. God's made, put, illuminated the, the cosmos, he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. I'm like, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> they say, well, we called, if it's daytime, we call it day, day. I said, that's what I thought. He said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. Evidently, we got a ball of water going out through the cosmos here. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. Now, this guy that's writing this is either a raving lunatic or he's on to something. Uh, God called the expanse sky. I'm like, when you look up, what do you call it? Everybody says sky. I said, I wonder where you got that from. I thought that this is a fairy tale. Uh there was morning the second day. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Huh. It was so, he called the dry ground land. What do you call it? And they say, dry ground? I said, yeah. He said, everybody. They say, land. I'm like, where'd you get that from? Who named that? Because whoever named it, well, I've got the old oldest writings I've ever read. I'm way over here in Genesis. I don't know whether Moses wrote it, some say, or somebody else. You say, everything this dude is saying, it makes sense down to what you call things. Mm. I said, why bury it? I thought it was a fairy tale. Well, where in the world they didn't have any paper when Genesis was written? You say, how in the world do you get a book with 40 different writers, put it together without paper thousands of years ago, years of antiquity, at least 4,000 B.C.? You're like, how do you get this all compiled together? It gets to us. They might have started with animal skins, possibly, you know, papyrus reeds. You're like, and it gets to us? Mm. You and just you think about to, getting the information to us. You get to Job, the last three chapters of Job, and you see God describing dinosaurs in detail long before anybody ever in modern uh, times knew these what dinosaurs were. These cave walls, you see them. They have their pictures on these cave walls. You're like, why were they drawing pictures of these big old animals? Everybody said, well, big reptiles or whatever you call them. Had they had what? Where did these pictures come from? Mm. So they had to have seen them. You couldn't draw them out in a cave wall on a cave wall. So you just look at the whole thing. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
you, you yeah. look at that and you say, I'll tell you what, true, true. I've read the entire thing from cover to cover, and I'm not a Bible scholar by no stretch of the imagination, but I've read enough that I say, you know what, that's enough for me. I'm not getting out of here unless this is true, mm. ever. So I'm just doing it as a way of, uh, I view the whole thing as rescue. Uh, rescue. I've been rescued. He's rescued us. And and he's given us the greatest health care you can get. Now, one of your big messages, Phil, and, and what I love about it is that I think we need to rescue Christianity a bit from the intellectuals. Yep. And not that they don't have their piece, but unfortunately right now they have the whole piece. I love them, and but you're, they're you're a little a stiff, who, a little stiff. You're a man who knows God's word and you live in the real world, in the practical world. You don't yep. get to sit in a library and uh, read volumes yep. of books yep. all the time. Your One of your big things is that we've complicated the message of salvation. That's right. Too many people with too much time on their hands and not enough scripture. Jesus died and rose again. Let's see what we do with everybody. I met Donald Trump for, they said, you got 15 minutes, I think they said, with Donald Trump if you want it. I said, that's the guy running for president? Yeah. I said, I'll take it. So I, I drew this. I said, line it up. So when the Secret Service got done with me, and they put that wand in places Miss Kay has not been in years. <laughs> I said, man, alive. Do you all check a man? So I go back in there, and there's Trump, Giuliani, and a few more standing around there. I said, yeah, how's it going, everybody? So Trump comes up. I appreciate you, you, you follow me. All I did was write this down on a piece of paper. I wrote an arrow coming down out of heaven, and I explained to Mr. Trump, I, said, I thought to myself, I said, I don't know whether he's ever heard the gospel or not, but I'll give it to him in hieroglyphic form, in arrows. So I said, see that see that arrow coming down out of heaven? I pulled it out of my pocket. I said, whatever happens, I pointed to him like this. I said, don't miss this. Don't miss that. And he said, what is that? <laughs> well, he's looking at it saying, what is it? I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, this is when... Uh, the first hour is when God became flesh. I said, if you look at your calendar, it says 2020. I said, well, at that time, it was 2019. I said, you look at your, or 16 or whatever it was. But I gave him the date. I said, if you look at your calendar, I said, we're all counting time by that event right there, that arrow coming down out of heaven. I said, he died on a cross for Donald Trump's sins. He went, he kind of backed up a little like that. And I said, you do have sins, don't you, Trump? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, you're an honest man. So does everyone else, all of us. I said, they put him in a tomb. I said, Trump, whether you win, lose, or draw, there's a six-foot hole waiting on you mm -hmm. and me and every last one of us. I said, we all die. I said, he died. I said, they put him in a tomb. I said, that's where you're going, right? He said, no doubt about it. I said, three days later, this one is risen from the dead. I said, Trump, if that's not true, you, me, or anyone else, we're not getting out of here alive. We got one shot at this, and that's the way it is. I said, I hope you win. I said, but the bottom line is make sure your faith is in this person who pulled this off. I said, that last arrow is the return. I said, and that's all we're waiting on. All these other events, he's come out of heaven. God become flesh, come out of a woman. He died on a cross, been buried and raised from the dead. I said, he's back into heaven. One last, one last thing as far as uh, this age is concerned the return of Jesus. So I put it in my pocket and he said, and I said, have a nice day. And I turned around and walk off and he said, hey, he said, can I have that? I said, sure. I took it out of my pocket. Well, I talked to him two times after that. And the first thing he said on the second time on the phone, he called me up. I'm talking to him. He said, hey, he said, Phil, 
you know, remember that piece of paper you gave me? I said, yeah. He said, I still have that. That's awesome. I said, put it in your heart, dude. Put it in your heart. I talked to him like he was a regular guy because he's my age. We're yeah. both 74 years old. To me, he wasn't Mr. President. He was running when I first saw him. After he won the thing, it was like I gave him some verses on the new birth, you know, about the God's spirit working in a man. I gave him those. Every time I saw him after that was just one time, once on the phone, once when he came to this rally up here, and I reached in my pocket, I'd written down some verses on when Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them. I wanted him to understand what that was. So anyway, I gave him a few verses, and I had it in my hand like this, you know. So I slapped his hand. He had that. He said, I still got that other one. I said, I should read that. So I gave it to him, you know. And Jace asked me what we were talking about. I said, being baptized. He said, in front of all those people, I just walked off the stage. He was there. I gave him the verses. And a lot of people didn't know. I was showing him about the new birth. There was 40,000 people there hollering. See what I'm saying? Jace said, what were y'all talking about? I said, him being baptized. So you got he a said, spot in the river said, really? here. Really? I said, yeah. For the president or for Donald Trump, you got a spot down here in the river. What would you say to to guys that say that, well, I, I can't. I can't evangelize. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Whether you're at work or play, Jesus, here's what he said. This is, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, text. Where is it? It's on the right-hand side of my page. Uh, the text says, uh, you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Don't put your light under a lampstand, you know, you, you put it where people can see it. Let your light shine before men. Then he makes an incredible statement. He says, let your light shine before men so that when they see, we're back on the good, when they see your good deeds, they will praise the your Father in heaven. He said, that's why you let your light shine. This old thing about, uh, you know, you can't earn it. You're not, you already have it. You have it. You say, well, how are others going to know that you have it? You let your light shine before them. And they look and they say, that guy ought to be mad about someone writing him a letter, cursing him like that. He should be mad or upset. But he seems to smile he just stood in the trash can. He didn't get mad about it at all. He didn't hold it against the person that was bad-mouthing him. He just let it go. So they go through life misunderstanding worship. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You say, how do you win them? When they run up on you, they either should think you're a little strange. As Peter said, live your life here as aliens and strangers. You're like, well, how could that bring people? Because they know you're different than the ones they grew up with. They're like, this dude should be mad, but he's not. He should be sad, but he's joyful. He should be full of anger at what went on there. But he just keep, he just forgives them and moves on. They're like, ha. Huh. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Watch. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. We all have gifts. He goes through that. Uh, hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. We're back on the good thing. You say, you hate what's evil. What is evil? Not who. Hate what is evil. You say, don't live like that. Give them, it is written, it is written, it is written. Do you think there's homosexual behaviors of sin? I said, it is written. First Corinthians 6, I'll give you this one, 9 and 10. I quoted that one time, and they all said, he's a mean man, he's a hater. I'm like, no, I love him. They asked me a question. I give them what's written. These are old writings. Uh, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. People see that and they say, something going on there. 
Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Somebody say, you're 74 years old. You don't have to be having podcasts or anything else. I said, he said, why do you do it? So they hear about Jesus, trying to convert him until they put me in the ground. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. You say, y'all came, y'all fixing to have some of my famous hamburgers. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. That's you how say, I'll lure you said, why do you do that? I said, you have to practice hospitality. And Peter said, without grumbling. That means that you and your buddies can eat a whole lot and eat more than you think people could hold. I'm not going to be bad-mouthing when you go up the road and, boy, them guys there eat you out of house and home. <laughs> I'm to practice hospitality without grumbling. So if you eat a lot, I'm like, I don't know how you held it, but go for it. <laughs> so, because you say people could grumble. Well, I, you know, I hate to get all these dishes washed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Somebody sees you blessing somebody who you should be cussing out or retaliating. They're like, it confuses them. They're seeing how you win people. That's how you win them. You bring them over. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't play the big dog. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. You're like, do what? Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody? They're all looking. Do the right thing. They were stealing my fish. I put it in one of my books. They were stealing my fish out of my nets. So I heard a motor stop. I'm doing this for a living. They're stealing from what I would catch and sell at the market. So I was watching. I read this text. Don't take revenge. Try to live at peace with everyone. Leave room for God's wrath. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. I'm, I read that as a young Christian, and I said, I said, these people are stealing my fish, and you want me to go down there and give them the fish, what they're trying to steal? Are you, are, I'm thinking, I said, I don't know about that. Well, I listen. I hear an outboard slow down a month later. I look out there. I see two dudes going toward one of my nets out of float there. They were looking around. I said, well, they back stealing my fish. Well, I had my shotgun in the boat. I tore off and went down in there. Well, they saw me coming, and they throw in the net. They didn't get, get it up in their boat. They just dropped the net, and they go down the bottom of the river again with the fish in it. I pulled up there. I said, look like you boys think to have a fish fry <laughs> at my expense. I said, good news for both of you. Now, I had my shotgun there. But usually I would have it in my hands, saying, what are you doing? But I said, I'm going to check that out and see if God was right about being good to your enemies. I said, I'm going to be generous. So I said, boys, I got good news for you. You don't have to steal those fish. I'm going to give them to you. And they looked at each other. They looked at each other because they're thinking, he's nuts. <laughs> we tried to steal his fish, and he's <laughs> saying, I'm going to give them to you. That way you won't have to steal them. I said, you don't have to steal. I live right up there. I said, bring your boat over here. And they said, no, we're just going down the river. I said, hey, bring your boat over. Well, they saw that gun, and they're thinking, he's being nice. He doesn't have it in his hands. And he's saying he's going to give us what we were trying to steal. This dude is nuts. So anyway, I pulled the net up. I said, whoa, look here. I said, how many of y'all got coming? The fish are hitting the bottom of the boat, you know, catfish, there's crappie, there's buffalo. I put the net back out. I got the fish. I said, put it over where I can get your fish. I don't want to drop them in the river now. And they were looking at me cautiously. So they come over, and I start throwing fish in the boat. I said, how many you got coming? I said, that'll feed about 15. What about it? And they said, well, that's enough. And I said, you never know. Well, you fire them, that grease up. 
They can smell these things cooking for five miles. I said, let's get in the case some more kinfolk show up. So I gave them some more fish. And they said, man, that's enough. I said, guys, now, next time you can't catch any fish, you don't have to steal from them. Just holler at me up, up there. I said, I'll get you some fish. Listen, I started doing that, and they all quit stealing my fish. It occurred to me later, I appealed to their conscience. Hmm. They were thinking, we're going to steal the man's fish, and the dude gave them to us. That must be one good man. We're not going to steal him no more. If we want some fish, we'll go ask him for them. He told us he'd give them to us. That's Romans 12. Once people see that, those are the ones you can convert because they're sitting there thinking, let's see, love, I see that in them. Joy, see a lot of that. Peace, love instead of hate. Joy instead of despair. Love, joy, peace instead of war. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You spot that, and they're like, how'd you end up like that? How's that girl living like that? I used to know her when she was out taking drugs. What, what happened to her? I said, she came to Jesus. You're seeing Jesus in her. Let your light shine before men. Think about it. We're the only ones that have God's Spirit in us, the saved. So you got to show them that. So without that, you, 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 you're barking up the wrong tree. That's why Jesus said, let them see. Let them see it. I noticed that you know, we've, we've been talking quite a while, um, all, all today, basically. And you're always quoting from Romans and Hebrews. And it's interesting because what the Bible scholars, a lot of them will say, we were talking about intellectuals a while back, Hebrews and and Romans are the two hardest books in the Bible to understand. And you're a man who didn't go to seminary. You just read them and have the Holy Spirit explain them to you. And I've noticed that you just have a way of pulling out the truth out of those books. It's not complex. It is, uh, it's simple, but the ramifications are profound. I mean, the ramifications are profound. We're, we're talking, you know, to get us here, I mean, you're looking under a microscope with a little embryo and a little bit of sperm, like a little wiggle tail, and that's when you start. I mean, and next thing you know, you got arms and legs kicking around, and you're inside a woman. I watched one of my kids being born. I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not a woman. I mm. said, that's look like a rough road to hoe. Well, right if that. we had to have babies, we would have stopped at the first generation. <laughs> a man would have had the first baby and went, that's I'm looking, enough I'm of like, that. <laughs> I'm like, that's way worse than gutting a hog, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but it was a rude thing to watch. I'm like, whoo. Well, you know, that gets you on the earth, you're like, which is a long shot at best. Each one of us are different than anyone else on the planet. You're like, how in the world? So there are a billion trillion planets. How they know this, I don't know. I, I've read Hugh Ross's books, and they're, they're amazing. I still don't understand how they know it. But they say that there's a, hundred, there's a billion trillion planets, and that the ability for there to be life is so massively specific that they actually, even though there's a billion trillion, which is a number bigger than we can get our minds around, they still say there's probably not life on another planet because it's so specific. So you look at the odds of having life just on this planet. Then you look at the million, million, million sperm and that one sperm made to the egg to make you. You think about the odds that we sit here today are so crazy. And then you think about the God of the universe, the creator of all things, says, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. I think we're giving far more credence to salt water than it deserves. You say, yeah, all you have to do, just remember, salt water. 
made it all. Salt water <laughs> made the trees. Salt water made the bushes. Salt water made elephants. Salt water made me. I'm like, get out of here. Surely not. You don't believe that. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. No sex, no sperm, no embryo. Boom. You got a human being. These people were nuts or they were on to something. By him, all things were created. That's a lot. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, watch this, and invisible. How in the world in the first century did the Apostle Paul know about invisible things if he didn't have a microscope? He said, how would he even know what a, things you couldn't see? Mm. Like, And Jesus made invisible things, yeah. Things like uh, atoms, molecules, or sperma, spermatusa, what they, whatever they call it. You're like... Man, uh, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things. What was there before the big blast, boys? They say nothing. I'm like, how did nothing explode? Nothing can explode. Oh, there was something there before that explosion. If there was an explosion. So you look at all these things He's before all things. In him, all things hold together. The atomic structure. He can, well, matter can't be created nor destroyed, you say, unless you're God. He'll do both. So he's wiping this clean, this one, wiping it out, gone, over, no more. You say, what's going to happen then? Uh, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires, they'll say, where is this coming, he promised? I told you that's the last arrow. Here's the last arrow, the return. Where is it? Where is this coming? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. This thing is not going to disappear. We're going to save it. You're like, yeah, I bet you are. Uh, the earth was formed out long ago. It was formed out of water and with water. He's going back through that, cutting that water in half. One batch goes this way. The other goes that way and dry ground. By water also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word. The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. The burn-up is coming. Somebody says, you believe in global warming, Phil? I said, no, but I believe in global heating one day because he's going to heat this thing up like you wouldn't believe. Uh, so, in fact, he's going to do that for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Don't forget this, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. The Lord, not slow in keeping his promise. He's, some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That means nobody will know when. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Simple enough. Fire. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives, which we go around telling people all the time. As you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. You need to look forward to it instead of being scared to death that it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But, in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. There's your promise, one, another one of your promises. So you read that, you say, tell you what, the, the, the crowd that's saying, no, we're going to save the planet, 
Not hardly. <laughs> What's what their argument is? They forget this. In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, the heavens and the earth. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they're going to be changed, but you remain the same and your years never end. They're not going to save the planet. God says, no, I made it. I'm going to destroy it along with you, unless you repent and turn to me. More proof of what you were saying earlier, that um, how could people back all those years ago that wrote that book know that the earth and the sun were wearing out? This is something from modern science that we know that they're wearing out, but they knew it way back before they had. That's right. So let me ask wearing out, just like the Hebrew writer said. If someone's listening to this right now and they want to receive Christ, what do they need to do? Just need to believe that he's God in flesh. By the way, you say, well, how critical is that for me? Uh, Don't forget, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirit to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's a fact. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You have to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. No sex, God comes through a woman. That prediction was made in Genesis 3.15 and came to fruition almost by my count, almost 5,000 years later. You're like, what in the world? You're like, whew. So Jesus is God in flesh. He comes to the earth, born of a woman, dies on a cross for your sins. It took blood to remove your sin. God made the cosmos in order to kill him. He would have to become a human because you're sure not going to get your hands on the one who created the cosmos. He will vaporize you in a millisecond. So you're like, good night. Jesus came down in flesh, died so he could die. So the blood of Jesus is shed on a cross They put his body in a tomb. They've killed him. His final words were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Even being slaughtered like an animal. That's why he came. Talking about a rough way to go, but that's God in a human body. Three days later, he shows you that that fear of physical death that we all have and we worry about it coming, When Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, hey, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Your body will go to sleep. It's dead. Bury it. Your soul and your spirit go on to be with God. You're fully alive, fully conscious. You just don't have your body with you. When Jesus comes back, the first thing that's going to happen, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.11, He's coming back, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. You get your glorified body. Eternity is yours. So he uh, freed you from Satan and sin and guilt and law and the grave by dying, being buried, raised from the dead, and one day he's returning to get us. Just put your faith in that. Repent of whatever sins you've got. Everybody's got them. Turn from them. Walk to a river, a pool of water, or whatever. Have someone baptize you. And by faith, you're being saved. You're being sealed with the Spirit of God. And how do you get baptized? What is that for someone who doesn't know what that is? Well, when Jesus left, here I'll make it simple. Jesus leaves. After he was taken up before their very eyes, a cloud hit him in their sight. They were looking into the skies. He was gone when suddenly two men appeared and says, hey, why are you looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taking you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. Jesus is gone. He flew out of here without a rocket booster. No more than he got out of here within a couple of weeks, Peter stands up. Men of Israel, listen to this. Here's the what saves you and who saves you. And when you're saved, 
Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you, all you Jews, through him, as you yourselves know. He gives a little update, a little history lesson. All the Jews are sitting there. Jesus is gone. They think they got rid of him. They killed him. Crucify him. They're all here. They're listening to what Peter's saying. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. All this was worked out in advance. And you, with the help of wicked men, you Jews, with the help of wicked men, you Roman soldiers, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. There goes your sins. But God has raised him from the dead. There goes your physical death problem solved. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And it'll be impossible for you for it to keep hold on you. They're standing there going, whoa, we thought we got rid of him by murdering him and by us murdering his blood will save us? Peter said, that's correct. Well, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. He talked about David a little bit. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Y'all think he got rid of him? He's back. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's the message that we present, hoping that whoever we tell about Jesus and his death, his burial, his resurrection, they'll put their faith in him. Because these people were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? So that was your question. What do you tell somebody to do when it comes to coming to Jesus? Well, if you believe it, You'll be cut to the heart when you hear the gospel. And then you're told to, here's, here's Peter. What shall we do? The people asked. Peter replied, repent, turn from your wicked ways. You're the ones that killed him, but his death is going to save you. Repent. You killed the wrong man or the right one, whichever way you look at it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins will be forgiven. God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Simple for me. Simple enough. You're reading from Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. The The promise is for you, your children, and look, and for all whom are far off. We were 2,000 years in the future. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Listen to this. Many other words Peter's talking. He warned them. He pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Well, those who accepted his message, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A lot of people being baptized, 3,000? You're like, there's the beginning of the kingdom of God. Remember John the Baptist and Jesus, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Three years. Jesus was 30, John the Baptist. Within three years, this takes place. So you're added to that kingdom by believing and putting your faith in Jesus, his death. It doesn't sound complicated. It's not complicated. Well, I see that. So you go through the book of Acts and you get all the conversion stories. What was their message and what were they told to do about it? I see that Al came back, and he was back preparing the Phil Burgers. Was he? So that means it's time for Phil Burgers. Let's go get on the Phil Burgers. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. I appreciate yeah, it, man. You betcha. Thanks for listening to On the Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content 
and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison. Thank you.